Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 111, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you the latest news from around the ACHA and AAU college hockey. I know Herm and I got to catch a bunch of games on live streams. Collins, you were busy playing too, so with order of Fitzy, give him the start tonight. Fitzy, first and foremost, happy birthday. Thanks, Murph. I'm not a big birthday guy. I don't like getting old. I want to stay young. I watched a little bit of little Ocho over the weekend too. My IU boys, they didn't get it done in the sweep against Bowling Green, but they uh, they looked good. So I'm uh, I'm happy and I'm excited to see what they can do again this year. And last but certainly not least, his birthday as well. We're throwing a hockey house birthday bash this week. David Herman. Thanks, Murph. Really thankful that my grandmother was able to make the four-hour Amtrak ride each way, which is still nuts to me just to come up and, and have dinner. It has been a little bit of a chaotic birthday today, starting at, at 9 a.m. And we're still rolling at 9.30 as we're recording right now for this week. We're so, so close to the start of preseason for the Comets. Excited for training camp to just be around the corner and we'll be good to go from there. Awesome. Well, I know, Herm, you and I got to catch a, a lot of action this weekend and we were on the road for the first weekend of the season and didn't really get to catch as many games as we would have liked to because we were so busy. I know for me, it was just awesome. At the most, I had six games going at once just to have the the Octobox going and had Liberty and NC State on the main screen with ESPN Plus. That coverage was great. Honestly, it was probably the, the most I've tuned into a Liberty game because I think being at school and playing last Last year, it felt like I would just turn it on and like briefly get to watch it. But that was like the first time I'd, I'd watched a game from start to finish on ESPN Plus in a while. I think there will come a day when we build the infrastructure so that we can get like a, a 20 live stream ACHA red zone, AAU red zone going. What's what's the guy's name? Scott Hansen, the guy who does red zone. Yeah, Scott Hansen hosts Red Zone. Someone someone will have to step up and, and be him. It'll be eight hours of, of commercial free hockey. It'll it'll be a good time. There is I mean, there is a cool alternative. There's a new feature that Black Dog is rolling out this year that I was telling Herm about where you can watch up to four games at once on Black Dog. Granted, they have to be all Black Dog games. So it was nice. I think at one point on Saturday night, it was all West Coast games. And so tuning in on Black Dog, you had San Jose State. Cal was in the mix. You had San Diego State. I'm trying to think. Oh, and then Kentucky was playing at midnight. So it felt like a West Coast game. But watching all four of those games at once was really cool. You know, sometimes with YouTube, you got to like make the the screen smaller. You want to watch a couple games, but it was really fun. Had a lot of fun watching all the action. And I know we had opening weekend, but it felt like there was more teams playing. And, And we'll have that opening weekend charm for at least two more weekends here as more teams get to have their opening night. So really cool to catch up on all the action. But we'll jump right into the lead here this week. And the ACHA invaded Canada. Like, let's just call it what it is. The ACHA went north of the border and invaded Canada. And so Ohio went north to Ontario. They played Brock University. They got the split. They actually won on Friday night by a score of three to two. Brock seemed to come back reloaded and recharged on Saturday because they beat the Bobcats seven to nothing. Wasn't a stream for either of the games, but I would imagine, Herm, that the Bobcats went up and they caught Brock off guard on that first game. From what I understood with my conversations with some people around, that's exactly what happened. And so Brock came back the next day, beat the Bobcats, but I think a split is remarkable and they can be really happy and, and talk about a really good way to start your season with a trip like that. Looked a little funky, the Bobcats rocking their new black gear. They got the black helmets, black pants, and black gloves, wearing the old third jersey, the white one with the gray shoulders, Herm. Quite the uh, the interesting look they had going. 
Look, I think I think Murph and I are both partial to the classic white and green look over the gray. It, it'll be interesting to see how long that one sticks around for. Heading west, there was another USA-Canada matchup. This time it was Minot State who went north of the border and swept their matchups. They beat the University of Regina 5-3 on Friday night and Briarcrest College 5-4 on Saturday afternoon. Minot had a 4-1 lead and Briarcrest came back to tie it 4-4. Beavers took the lead with about nine minutes to go in the third and they didn't look back. Just a stellar showing from two of the top teams in M1. Youth sports rosters are loaded with guys who played major junior hockey. This was just a huge leap for the ACHA as a whole to have their best teams go north and take three or four. And I know Jamestown played Briarcrest the, the previous weekend, didn't get any results on those games, saw that they lost four to two, and then we didn't really get a score on Saturday's matchup. But really cool to see these games happening. I hope we see more of them. If you're curious what the rest of the exhibition schedules look like for these two teams, Ohio's next non-ACHA game is on Friday, October 20th, when they travel to Buffalo State on Friday, the 20th of October. That'll be an exhibition, Buff State, NCAA D3 school. The Bobcats, why are they playing Buffalo State? That's very random. It's because they are going to play at Niagara on the 21st and 22nd. So that'll be a fun one to watch out for. And then Minot State's got two really big NCAA exhibitions later down the road. They're at Colorado College on Friday, December 29th. And the following night on Saturday, December 30th, they are at the University of Denver. So those are two huge games to look out for. Mid-season exhibitions. Can't wait to watch them. If it's any preview of what happened this weekend, we should be in for some really good hockey. So we had a, a tournament this weekend, which was really cool to see. And I hope this becomes a tradition every year. Champions were made in Lake Placid. Embry-Riddle and Hofstra brought home titles in the inaugural Burning Leaves Tournament in Lake Placid, New York, hosted by Paul Smith College. I'm curious, Fitzy, in your hockey career, did you ever make it out to Lake Placid? I got to go out there for uh, my older brother Ryan was playing, so I didn't get to play. I got to strap on the skis and go down Whiteface Mountain and, uh, you know, see the rink and everything and the lore of Miracle on Ice, but I didn't get to skate there. Yeah, unbelievable. I played there once as a player when I was at Bridgeton. That's the only time I've been. Really cool to see this tournament. I think, like, what better way to get everybody used to each other, get some team bonding going, and get some exhibitions against teams you might not normally play against than to head to Lake Placid. So Riddle shut out SUNY Brockport 4-0 on Friday before beating Kutztown 5-1 in the Gold Division Final. That was the AAU Division Two games. Kutztown had defeated Buffalo State 6-5 in a thriller to get to Saturday's championship game. And then on the flip side of things, you had Hofstra defeating the host team, Paul Smith's College 5-4 in overtime on Friday night before they knocked off the University of Rochester on Saturday to claim the Silver Division Final, AAU Division Three. So tough tournament for the host team. The Bobcats lost in overtime again to Widener in Saturday's consolation game. Herm, Widener, our guys, huge overtime win for them. They've got some new jerseys on the way. They're super pumped for the season. But Herm, I'm curious, like you got to see, I mean, there's a great live stream by the Nickel City Hockey Network. I mean, just really cool to see teams going to Lake Placid this early on in the year and, you know, getting to play for a trophy. Love cheering on the Widener boys. It was a really great stream. The the gap control, as, as Murph mentioned in the group chat, was a little tough on that game winner, but so excited to throw my support behind a new team for it was Saginaw Valley State first. Now it's Widener. So I'm hoping that maybe I can get my hands on one of their new jerseys. Yeah. And I mean, shout out to Paul Smith's College and Lake Placid for hosting an event. I would love to see this tournament double in size. Let's let's get eight teams 
in AAU D2 and eight AAU D3 teams in Lake Placid. Unbelievable time of year. The Burning Leaves Tournament. I'm sure the leaves are starting to change color a little bit out in Lake Placid. Off to a great start. So congratulations to Embry-Riddle and Hofstra for taking home the trophies there. Now, I mentioned at the start of the show, I got to watch a ton of ACHA and AAU action this weekend. And I found, I picked up on one theme. So we're going to go through it's why we play two games. A lot of these weekend series, you go down and you play a team twice. We had a couple of unbelievable turnarounds this weekend. So I want to highlight a few of them. So first off, we had Oklahoma state Cowboys. It's opening night in Tulsa. They're fired up and they drop an egg against Drury. The Drury Panthers beat them 11-0 in their home opener on Thursday night. The next night on Friday, the Cowboys respond and they take the Panthers the distance. It's 1-1 after overtime. They go to a shootout and Drury gets the extra point. There's really no extra point though because in the ACHA, if it goes to overtime or shootout, it ends up as a tie. So for the Cowboys to lose 11-0 and then come back the next night and send it to a shootout, I thought was great. Herm, I know you got a chance to watch a little bit of this game. Tough camera angle here. Some good hockey nonetheless. And I don't know if I caught a lot of the Thursday night game. The Friday's night was, was a great turnaround for them. Drury had a, a, a tough year last year. And to see them not only over the course of the offseason as we excitedly watch the new building of their locker room, to know that there's a new foundation being built with their program. Very, very excited about that. I will say, I can't imagine that Coach Jeremy Law is too happy about this weekend, though, because really good performance from Drury on Thursday night, but they looked like the Drury University team that we had heard about this offseason, this refreshed team, and they just didn't really show up to play on Friday night, and they let the the Oklahoma State Cowboys right back into the series. You know, ultimately that that might hurt them in the rankings down the road too. We don't know how good Oklahoma State is going to be. So I can't imagine Coach Law is too happy about that. Law spent the last six seasons as a head coach for Missouri State's M1 team. He was the assistant coach for Team Canada at the World Cup of University Hockey as well. So we do want to shout out jury defenseman Neil Serrato for getting a double feature this week on the Hockey House Pod Instagram. Scored a nifty goal on Thursday night after muscling an Oklahoma State defender off the puck. He then followed up with a silky goal in the shootout to lead to his team's victory on Friday night. So, I mean, hats off to Oklahoma State for putting up a really good fight. But Drury got off to a really good start. Maybe not as good of a start as they wanted to. Another team I wanted to highlight for a quick turnaround was Boston University. This is a game I know Herm got to catch, of course, down in Lexington, Kentucky on Black Dog. That place was rocking. Puck drop at 1159. BU hung around for the first, I'd say, 10 minutes of that first period. I remember I was staying up and I was like, I just want to see one goal. I want to see this place explode. Not only did I get one goal, I got four because they scored four goals in maybe the last eight minutes of the period and Kentucky dominated BU. Final score of Friday night's contest was nine to one. The next night, BU follows it up with a tremendous effort. They jump out to an early one nothing lead. Then they drop behind three to one. They come back to tie the game. We go to overtime. No one scores in overtime. And then BU ends up winning in a shootout. I was talking to the guys on Instagram afterwards. They said it just took some time to get settled and used to the playing environment. They were actually late to the ice for warmups in game one because they're not used to getting a full ice cut before the game because you know they're playing you know at really late times here in new england and playing in these hockey east arenas where they you know they don't want to run too late on ice time so they usually just do warm up right into the game and so they got onto the ice late because they weren't expecting to go on early and get a full warm up with an ice cut they weren't used to the environment either and it showed on friday night but 
good on them for getting a turnaround too. And Kentucky, that's a team that, you know, rankings wise, is this something that comes back to bite them? Not closing it out against BU. So we'll see on that one. And then another team I want to give a shout out to is UNC Wilmington. They lost to Millersville five to three on Friday night, which was kind of a surprise because it was Millersville's first game of the season and Wilmington had played the weekend before you'd think the Seahawks would have had an advantage playing against them and yet they lose five to three what do they do they respond by beating Millersville seven to nothing the following night so good turnaround for the Seahawks wanted to give some some snaps for that great performances from all the teams mentioned just made it for some really exciting hockey and on the flip side of that a team that didn't get to experience some very exciting hockey was our guys down at Houston. And I don't know, an unfortunate weekend for the Houston hockey program. We'll start with a message they put out on social media. I'll let you guys go and find this, but we saw a tweet this week that the Houston hockey team had let go of their social media team due to lack of coverage on opening weekend. And that might sound pretty harsh, but looking back on it, it was a historical moment for the program and there wasn't anything on social media and they canned them. Unprecedented move, Herm, as a guy who spent a lot of your college career, you know, behind the the screen and representing a program. Like what were your thoughts when you saw that we had an ACHA team firing their media team two weeks into the season? I think my first thought, and it was the one that I immediately sent in the group chat when I think you sent it, Murph, was, is this a bit? I thought it was like a practical joke just because they kind of, they stumbled out of the gate and then I read and I'm like, oh my God, they're, they're actually doing this. They're actually firing someone over, over week one. Bold decision, but I respect the hell out of it. Sets the tone. I mean, unfortunately it didn't set the tone on the ice for week two, but like it sets the tone for the standard of performance for your marketing and and front of house. I I love that to say like, you need to take this seriously and, and perform at a level that that's representative of the university. Unfortunately, things went from bad to worse for Houston this weekend because they changed the guard on the social media. And then the social media people had nothing exciting to post about because some tough losses to Baylor this weekend. They lost 20 to one on the first night and 27 nothing on the next. We got a picture of this score sheet. They went through three score sheets just to fill out all the goals. Sounds like they had a really short bench and a lot of injuries and a very talented Baylor team. So wanted to give shout out. Both goalies deserve all the love in the world from this weekend, putting up a heck of an effort. But I, I hope we get a better start. And it's unfortunate, too, because it comes against a team, Baylor, who probably knows a lot about what it takes to build an ACHA program in Texas from the ground up. So it's tough to see them get beat that bad. You'd think they'd pull off the gas a little bit. As we'll get to later in the show, the, those weren't even some of the biggest scores we saw this weekend. So we wish all the best to the guys at Houston. We wish them a ton of luck this season and hope things are brighter in the future ahead. But speaking of teams with excitement it was really cool to see. We talked about it earlier, but sold out crowd at Liberty for the home opener in an exhibition against NC state. One they do every year. I don't think, I think it was five hours before puck drop and they announced that the game was sold out. So that's unbelievable. And, and just really cool to see. You could feel it the whole first period. The place was just waiting to erupt. And I thought we were going to have a scoreless first period, 15 seconds to go. Liberty pots one and the floodgates just opened. I think they scored three in the first five minutes of the second Herm. 
Yeah, it was something. I, I think that was my exact text to you, Murph, was the floodgates are open now. Yeah, and they just rolled. Final score ended up being 7-2. to two. It was just a great weekend. I, I'm so happy those two teams play. Every year, it seems like we get somebody asking the question like, wait, Liberty D2? And it's like, no, like NC State is playing Liberty's D1 team because down the road, NC State will play Liberty's D2 team as well. It's a good exhibition. I think Liberty likes that because I think in Liberty's eyes, they're playing the best team in the area. It, it, they must see NC State and... I'm sure Coach Handy and Coach Peely have a really good relationship. So that's a fun one to look for. It's why it's an honorable mention in the games to watch every year. That was a D1 exhibition versus a D2 exhibition in the ACHA. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, to think about, and we learned this last year when Minot lost their first game of the season to UMary, because it is an exhibition, because both teams aren't in the same division, it doesn't count against you in the rankings. So maybe that's why Lehigh is doing it, too, because it's like you get these exhibition games that really don't matter. You get some games underneath your belt and then you got a full head of steam heading into conference play. So I'm going to look up right now. We'll see if they have a team to play against this weekend. Let's. Oh, so they roll right into it. They play TCNJ. So a non-conference matchup against a division one opponent, and then they'll face off against Villanova the last weekend of September. So we'll head to the Midwest next and get Fitzy's attention here. Purdue with some sweet new third jerseys. I'm curious, Fitz, did you, with them being an M3, did you guys ever play them when you were at IU? Our D3 team played them, so I got to watch them play. Jerseys are nasty. I, I don't know if I could see myself wearing one of those. I'd, I'd, I'd get catch a lot of flack from the IU faithful if I had one of those on. Well, we'll get to that question in a little bit here at the end. But <laughs> Herm, I mean, I, I think... Maybe Purdue saw the comments that they shouldn't have won the Jersey of the Year tournament a couple years back, and they they dropped some fire sweaters. The they teased us a little bit a while ago with the train track helmet stripes, and then they went looked like a train track threw up on the jerseys. They got the train track stripes on the sleeves, the waist, the socks. They called the piss gold jersey with the black Purdue script. I, I thought they knocked it out of the park. It's the perfect third jersey. I'd rock it in two seconds. It is the exact style of jersey that would win last year's jersey of the year competition script alternate stunning something that is out of the ordinary for most of the hockey world outside of las vegas i guess going with that gold color so so good looking I think that is a serious contender for Jersey of the year. The Purdue people love the online votes like that. Their Jersey like probably didn't deserve to win the first Jersey of the year tournament. I'm I'm sure they would agree with me, but the Purdue faithful come out and vote. That'll be something to keep an eye on. That that was a cool Jersey and that that had been in the works for a really long time. And Herm, you pulled up an article from the ACHA too. I want to turn it over to you to to pull this one up about the ASU women's team and the the difficulty that they've gone through this off season. Yeah, there was a great article from the Cronkite News, Chase Beardsley, about the Arizona State women's one team. I'm just going to go for a couple of quotes here from Chase's article. Instead, club teams are often left in the dark by the school about finances. There's no certainty about how much money clubs will get from the university. For ASU, the question sometimes is now how much money the team will get but whether it will get any funds at all. With the sports club department, you really get nothing, Ellis explained. For example, we just presented our budget to them. Last year, we got $13,000, which for us doesn't even cover a month of ice, which is crazy. So when it comes to funding this year, we had to present our budget of $250,000 for this year. And even that number is cutting it close. We don't know how much we're going to get. We could get zero. We just don't know. Despite constantly improving each year and being ranked all season in the top 10 in the ACHA, 
say ASU was one of two teams that isn't funded by the school, which Ellis points out is something only the university can address. Would highly recommend that you check out the article. It's on the news and announcements section of the ACHA website. Great read. I, I wonder too, like what their rule is about selling jerseys because they have a really cool jersey as well. And I know the men's NCAA team gets a lot of attention in that department when it comes to ASU jerseys, but the women have very good looking jerseys on the ACHA side. So, and I, I put them in that category of Michigan, Michigan State, Miami of Ohio. It's like, how, how do they not have a, a women's varsity team at this point? So they should be getting a lot more attention down there, especially with how much attention hockey in Arizona has been getting lately. So, Keep an eye on that one, too. And I mean, that seems like the ballpark I think a lot of schools are in, too. It's like there's no denying that your season is going to cost X amount of money and you just got to go to the school and and pray that they make a dent in that. So I remember being in, in a similar spot at Syracuse and just, it does get around the $200,000 mark and you're just hoping for maybe 25 grand if you can get that at least. So wishing them the best of luck and they definitely deserve it with you know the strides they've made as a program recently. We wanted to send a message to a friend of the program, got a message from Oakland University M3 assistant coach Tyler Lampman. He said, gents, just wanted to send this your way and see if you can help getting this out. Former Central Michigan University player turned skills coach. He's having a rough go. We're trying to help all we can while he cannot work. Steve is an awesome guy and needs some help from this awesome community. So we're going to go ahead and put this GoFundMe link for Steve. It's dropping the gloves versus cancer. They have raised almost 13,000 of the 15,000 that they're looking to raise. We'll throw that link in the bio so that you guys listening can go and make a contribution or, you know, send them a shout out, but former ACHA guy from central Michigan, it just shows how tight knit the hockey community is in Michigan. If we get the assistant coach for Oakland reaching out and tell us about it. So wishing him the best of luck and, I had a couple of notes from from what I got to watch this weekend, and so I wanted to start a new segment. I was going to call it Murph's Hot Seat, but that just didn't really roll off the tongue. And I thought, you know, who's a sponsor who chip in here and uh, maybe something that starts with an H. And then I thought, you know, who better than the Ham Arena? For those of you familiar with hockey in New England, the Ham Arena is located in Conway, New Hampshire, right beneath uh, the Mount Washington Valley. And the Ham Arena is a place that I get to play hockey every week in the men's league here in Conway. So we got the Ham Arena hot seat each week of the season. I'm going to throw players, coaches, programs, bus companies, hotel companies. We're going to throw people on the hot seat. So I got three groups on the hot seat to start here. This may come as a shock to you guys. You guys know I'm big fans of them, but I'm throwing them on the hot seat to start App State. 0-3 to start the season, all against in-state opponents. And now they're off this weekend, so they can't even get in the win column. I got to wait one more weekend to watch the App State boys play. Their football team seems to be rolling. Campus is buzzing. I think my life would just be a lot better if the App State boys could get in the win column. So I know, Herm, you know I'm a big App State guy. I choose them in everything. I love rocking that hat. I got to put them on the hot seat. I know. Now Fitzy's shaking his head. Fitzy's probably pumped because he's a Michigan guy. I'm guessing this is what he's going to chime in and say. I got a quick App State story for you guys. Um, Oh, let's hear it. I don't know. I can't even remember who was messaging me, but they messaged me when we first started getting Hockey House Pod going. And they said, hey, would you, you know, read this, whatever they had written up like a little script and they were putting together like a preseason hype video and they were going to, you know, include like my voice as like, you know, all the the Hockey House pod is, you know, talking about App State and the upcoming season. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? They were they were all about it. I got it done for them super quickly. And they're like, all right, yeah, we're, we're going to make the video. It's, it's going to be sick. I never saw anything. 
I, I put all my, my time and effort into this, uh, all the five minutes, but you know, I set up my mic and I, I spoke for these guys and I don't, I don't think the video ever got made. So yeah, that, that's my little app state story. So I, I got no problem sticking on the hot seat. Wow. All right. Well, I know the boys are listening too, and I'm just saying we all love you, but we want some in the wind calm. Another team on the hot seat who has a chance tonight. We're recording on Monday night. We're getting used to this new recording routine. We want to record right after the weekend. Eastern Washington. They went down to California. They lost two to San Jose State Friday, Saturday night. Sunday night, they play Cal and they lose again. They're 0-3 to start the year. They got the back end of a trip, four games in four days, and they're looking for the first one of the season against the Cal team. And Eastern Washington, that's a team with a rink on campus who should be at the top of ACHA M2 West. And if they go 0-4 to start a season on one road trip alone, that's really tough. It's tough enough to play four games in four days to start the season. If you don't get a win in the first three, it's not really looking good in the game four. Hoping for the best for them, but I'm throwing them on the hot seat. And then, of course, we talked about earlier, U Sports is on the hot seat because, you know, ACHA is getting real close, okay? So the ACHA is coming. U Sports could feel it breathing down their neck. NCAA D3 has been feeling it for a while, but the ACHA is coming. It's making them some noise. So we got App State, Eastern Washington, and U Sports all on this week's Hammerina hot seat. We'll go over to the stick taps here. Herm, you were watching this stream. I watched it for a little bit, and I honestly didn't have the audio on, so I had no idea what was going on. But, Herm, you got a guy at Weber State you want to shout out? We got to give some stick taps to the Weber State play-by-play man himself, Justin Monroe, for not only powering through technical and equipment difficulties, sprinting around the rink to find a camera battery to make sure that the stream was still going, but giving it like a genuinely really, really nice shout-out to Hockey House for seeing us pop in the chat with some words of encouragement for him. I know Alex really gives it his all in the broadcast. It gives me a, a whole new perspective on what it takes to to succeed behind the mic. And Justin really gave it his all. We're excited to see what he comes up with to, to feature his calls as the season goes on. I'm so glad that you gave a stick tap to Justin because I have beef. I don't have beef with Weber State. I love Weber State, but I have beef with the ice sheet at Weber County. You watch that live stream and they're playing in a packed out barn and there's no signage for Weber State. It is all Ogden Mustangs. And I know that the junior team packs that barn way better than the Acha team. They're playing in front of hundreds of people too. Like, can we at least get a logo on the ice or like a banner for them? I know they're working on the locker room, but everywhere you look in that rink, there's a banner for the Ogden Mustangs and all of these guys play juniors and then stay in Weber. Can we maybe get like one logo, two logos at center ice or maybe a couple banners for the boys? You're turning on that broadcast and there's red and blue for the Mustangs. I want to see some purple. Boys deserve it. Maybe a trip to nationals and we get more purple. That's a bone I had to pick. Want to make sure I got it addressed on this week's episode. But speaking of purple, want to give a stick tap to the new Mr. High Point, Tyler Calkins. Calkins broke the school's all-times game played record, appearing in his 69th game for the Panthers. Nice. In his 69 games, Calkins averaged 0.75 points for per game. So nearly a point per game player. I know 69 games is not a lot in terms of programs. I mean, you look at Liberty guys, they're playing like 120 games by the end of their five years. That's really cool. A program that is heading in the right direction and looking forward to a really good year. So want to give a shout out to Tyler on the high point D2 team. Want to also give a shout out to NC State defenseman Ricky Frosh in Friday night's game against Liberty. Frost dressed in his 100th game as a member of the Ice Pack. Want to give him a huge shout out. And then we had another milestone, stick taps to Louisville, 
head coach Brian Graham with, with a sweep over SIUE. Coach Graham notched his 200th win behind the bench for the Cardinals. I don't know if you guys saw the video on Instagram because Louisville's Instagram is like non-existent right now. We still made sure to post it though. Coach Graham's suit got soaked after this game. Definitely taken to the dry cleaners after that. Hoping that gets cleaned up for, you know, they got a big tilt against Kentucky in the next couple weeks here. So hope that one gets cleaned up, but want to give him a congratulations as well. Herm, I know you have one more stick tap as well. The Ohio Hockey D2 team, the heroes, they have made huge, huge strides from a media perspective. So cool to see. I've talked about them in the past to go from frankly, just kind of an afterthought on Athens's campus just because of the success of the men's one team to really breaking out in their own right. It's genuinely cool to see. So always throwing my support behind the heroes. Herm, I'll throw it right back to you though because we got calling your shots this week. Who's calling them? The TP219 who says Montana State is going to be the number one team in the West this year. I mean, he's not wrong. Like, were they not the number two? two team i can't remember if they got the auto bid to nationals or not i believe they did so with you mary gone i think it's theirs for the taking this year and and i'm curious you know there's a lot of teams who consistently get cut from going to nationals because there was basically only three spots available with you mary there and so the west will be really interesting i mean wow what what a recording here acha au college hockey is alive and well again we're rambling on. It's time to get you to your interview. And as always, this one is brought to you by Optimex Sports. Optimex provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is these guys know club hockey. They understand what it takes not only to feel the team every week, but to keep up with the media side of things. And they got you looking real good with a website. And not only do they make you look real good, they make it real easy. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link at OptimexSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod optimex recently released a new feature we're super excited about it. it's been in the works for a really long time you can now add a team store and have it powered by jog you can also sell tickets merchandise and even make payments for your team or club be sure to head to our link optimexsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod without further ado we'll turn it over to our guest this week to the boys from mizzou hopping on the pod Pleased to be joined by two members of the University of Missouri hockey team, senior captain and club president Nick Spolick and senior goaltender Jack Dobbs. Spoles, Dobber, welcome to the Hockey House. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. Psyched to have you guys on. Congratulations on your first couple wins this weekend. I, I do have to address the elephant in the room because I've been in that situation before. Really tough being on the road when you watch everybody storm the field of a football game, huh? <laughs> it's cool. Uh, we actually had the game pulled up on our phone in the locker room. Uh, we st- we all stepped out of the locker room to watch the game. They were pulling it up. It happens and everyone's just going absolutely crazy. And our yeah. coach is in the hallways like, what's going on, boys? And we were just like, you know, Mizzou, they just took it home, 61-yarder. And he's like, oh, that's sick. Like, love it. So it was a cool moment for sure. And nice that Mizzou could get two big big wins for sure. We got off the ice and maybe 30 seconds after our coach finished the speech, it was, you know, holy crap, we're kicking a 61 yarder and everyone crowded around it. It was an awesome moment for us, even if we didn't get to be on the field. That's like, it's like club hockey, right? Like everybody's like, oh, it's a joke. It's no big deal. And then like you miss out on like, we talk about the college experience and how you get to enjoy so many things playing hockey, but then, I mean, you got to get work. The season starts right in the fall and it, it runs through February. So, I mean, walk us through this weekend. Like you guys seem to have like picked up where you left off last year two big wins over Illinois State. Yeah, definitely. It was a great weekend. We had a really good week of preparation. We had had a couple good weeks of preparation before that. Just our meetings were really attentive. Everyone was just really ready to go. And obviously our practices had been really fluid and, and really good. I think everyone was just itching to get 
to get going. And I think, you know, we played really well. Illinois State was a good team, stayed true to what we were. And, you know, we just were really prepared going into the games. A great first roadie for sure. Get to know everyone a little bit better. All the new guys that are coming in, spend some time with each other away from the rank and away from campus. It was it was a great experience for sure. Our team and our brotherhood is just so strong right now. And we were all just so pumped going into these games just for our personal reasons just to have fun then also of course because we're really serious this year about winning a lot of games it was it was a great weekend we had a great time Spoles, i gotta give you credit because in doing my research and looking at your ep it was really nice knowing that you already have 10 points which is more points than i had all last season <laughs> as a defenseman so wanted to give you a, a stick tap for that appreciate it <laughs> a couple stick taps maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seven two win and ten nothing win. So you guys are off to a really hot start. And Mizzou is a team that's on the rise in ACHA. I just got want to kind of get to know you guys a little better. Like for everyone listening, walk us through your hockey journeys. Both guys from Missouri. Spoles, we'll throw it over to you first. Like where'd you play hockey growing up? Yeah, so I'm from uh, Kansas City, Missouri. I didn't pick up hockey until about 12 years old. My dad, who's from Colorado, he was a hockey player and he kind of introduced me to the sport and I really just kind of took off and ran with it. It became a passion. It's, it's it's my number one love in life. I mean, it's got me so many opportunities. Just so fortunate that, that it's been placed in my life. But I grew up playing in Kansas City. I moved to Omaha to play Omaha AAA for half a year, went, going back to Kansas City. Still kind of wanted to pursue uh, a dream even further. Wound up going to Minnesota and playing juniors for the Minnesota Blue Ox and the USPHL. Tremendous brotherhood that I found there. Some of my best friends and so many connections that I made up there. I really loved it. Wound up playing for a year during the, the, the shortened COVID year at St. Olaf College in CAD3 and then wound up transferring from there to go to Gustavus. Didn't wind up working out there and then wound up at Mizzou, which was just such an incredible opportunity. My, my best friend, was the club president. Um, his name is Holden Carroll. He's done so much for the team, but I wound up easily the most incredible experience of my life. I mean, I've loved every second of it and just the transformation of this program. It's been so amazing, but you know, I've, I've always just had a passion for it and I've had a very windy, different road than most. And I think that's what's amazing about the sport is that no paths are alike and it's cool to connect with people and, and share my story and, and hear other people's <clears throat> story as well. So I'm, I'm very fortunate for every step that I've taken and everything has happened in my, my life for a reason in terms of hockey. So I'm, I'm super fortunate about that. Ultimately, I, I couldn't be more satisfied that I wound up at the University of Missouri. Were you looking at other schools or, you know, when it hadn't worked out for you at St. Olaf and then another tough year to start 2021? Like, are you just like, you know what, like college is supposed to be fun. Like, are you just thinking like, where can I go and play hockey and, you know, enjoy my experience more? Definitely. My best friend was in my ear constantly about coming to Mizzou, and, and it was kind of a seamless transition to, to be able to land there. I was definitely looking at other options, but I also knew that I wanted to be close to home. I mean, I hadn't consistently lived at home or around home for about four or five years now. So I wanted to go back be with my family, be back with my friends. And I definitely had looked in other places, but I also wanted to just enjoy the experience and, and kind of pivot from one certain type of experience and type of lifestyle to, you know, maybe a different style that I've provided here that I've just absolutely fallen in love with. Yeah. And then Dauber for you, I mean, more of a straightforward path with you. I mean, grow up in St. Louis and, and how you ended up at Mizzou. Uh, yeah, I grew up in St. Louis. Uh, my dad was a hockey player. He was a goalie too. He got me, you know, skating as young as as pretty much he could and I did learn to play and all that as a kid got fell in love with other sports I played baseball and soccer and all that and I didn't really play hockey super competitively until uh, I was 12 or 13 like Nick will hear then so from that point on I just played like house league Bantam double a uh, for the Kirkwood Stars 
at the, over there in St. Louis. And then uh, from then on, I just played for Kirkwood High School. I, I got I was fortunate enough to play with some really, really good goalies at Kirkwood High School who were able to show me a lot. Mitchell Day is one of them. He's playing at Niagara University right now. I learned a lot from Mitch. I'm still learning a lot from Mitch. You know, after high school, it was looking at colleges and I wanted to go somewhere close by. I would have fun somewhere that also had hockey, but obviously more academically focused. I came here and I didn't realize just how much I would fall in love with this team and this league and everything that has come with it. First year I was here, I had a pretty good year and it was like the first year that like the team looked promising in a long time and everyone was really excited and that was really cool. And then last year we just took off with that. And since then it's just been like a roller coaster of fun and it's been some of the most competitive hockey that we've ever gotten to play. So this is really great. Yeah, and Dauber, in your first year with the team, what was your welcome to the ACHA moment? Was there a moment early on that, you know, you weren't expecting or, you know, something bad happened? You know, it feels like sometimes the bus is breaking down or the jerseys don't come in on time. Like, was there a welcome to the ACHA moment you had? For us, a little bit, just showing up at the rink for the first time. We play uh, in a a community rink down in Jeff City, Missouri. It's just been worse for wear. We'll put it at that. So like getting that to the rink for the first time. And like, I remember it was COVID. So they had us in like one person to a room with like one other person. And we're in these tiny locker rooms that are in the basement locker room. If you ever find yourself in the Washington Park Ice Arena, it's like a dungeon down there. That and then our first road trip down to Springfield, being on a bus all day and then having to go and then play in front of as many people as Springfield. That was just a lot. I would say that most state weekend, the first weekend was like our first big win that was promising too. So Spoils for you. I mean, going from NCAA, playing a little bit of ACHA before coming over to Mizzou, like what was your welcome to the ACHA moment at Mizzou? The difference in organizational structure was the biggest welcome to the ACHA moment. Playing in, in some of those places, everything is kind of just like taken care of. You're, you're not on the front lines activating for your team and and marketing your team and, and literally running your own team. But coming here and, and being able to do that, it, the success of the club is solely dependent on how much effort the students put in, was one of the most incredible experiences that I've been able to uh, to receive and, and be a part of. Embedded in that was some of the most incredible connections, people, and, and, and life experiences that I've ever garnered, for sure. One of the unique aspects that I learned about you guys when you were at Nationals in Boston last year is the sponsorships. And I see you both wearing the team apparel with the Gumby's logo on it, which you guys proudly wear. We'll give them a free ad here. Big tap. Proudly wear it on your helmets too. And I think that's like a very unique aspect that you probably wouldn't see at the NCAA level. What's that partnership like? How did that come about? Our, our partners are the reason why like we have the things that we do and we've developed so many great relationships with partners locally in Columbia and also outsourcing to Jefferson City, some satellite cities such as like Centralia, who Jim Butler, they're, they're our biggest partner this year. Being able to nurture and, and create those types of partnerships has just been so incredible for our club and it's really helped us get to those next levels. Um, we love activating with them. They support us. We love supporting them. It's great to have the partners that we do and, and you know we always are looking forward to gaining new ones and also just, you know, nurturing and, and maintaining the ones that we currently have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's college kids and pizza. I don't think there's a better combo than that. Do you do you guys get like chirps on the ice or guys like what what are you wearing on your helmet? We actually got like some pretty positive feedback, which is why. So last year was the first year that we did the helmet sticker and we had like guys all the time would go into face offs and they'd just be like, you to read it and be like, what is that? And then they'd be like, that's kind of sick. You know, we expect to get a chirp for that, but yeah. instead guys are gassing us up. So we were like, oh, run it back this year for sure. It happened in Boston. Boston a ton guys would line up on the face off and they're like what is that and you just tell them it's a local pizza spot in Como and they would be like oh that's that's pretty rad so it was cool to get that recognition and Gumby's really loved it and we absolutely love repping Gumby's on the helmet sticker 
on the on the helmet. It looks great. Yeah, I wanted to make sure we give them a shot. I love the, the the dry fit shirts. That's even better too. Walk us through difference between the year prior and last year because fairly new to Mizzou hockey. We followed you guys a ton last year with the conference championship and going to nationals. But like, what did Mizzou hockey look like a year before that? I mean, I can speak personally. I was only there for a semester, so I didn't get as big of a taste as Dauber. Um, but first of all, thank you guys for obviously, you know, highlighting us and showcasing it and connecting with us during that, those runs. It meant a lot to us. But just difference, I think, in mindset. I think just a group of guys that really came together and were like, you know, I think we absolutely have our fate is in our hands and we can do whatever we set our minds to. As cliche as it sounds, you know, we can take our team to new heights and new levels. And we were able to do that just by being consistent, connecting with the community, getting a good fan base, um, really starting to build the organization from the from the ground up. You know, with that stuff off the ice led to on ice success, you know, guys kept believing and kept fighting for the greater um, purpose of the organization, obviously, to just to win games, but also just to grow, to keep growing the, the organization as much as possible. Yeah, I think like Nick just touched on it a little bit. I think the biggest difference has been belief two years ago. The team was a group of guys that would show up and everybody loved hockey. Everybody loved the game, obviously. I mean, that was pretty much the extent of it in terms of going to nationals or even regionals. It seemed kind of like a far-fetched dream, you know. But that year, we won a few big games. We beat, like, Mo State, which was a big rivalry win for us. We definitely started to believe sort of towards that end of, of that year, two years ago. And then that rolled into this or this last year where it started that first weekend in most state. We got a really big win, a really big OT dub, I remember, at the beginning of last year. And then from that moment, it was like no, no moment's going to be too big for this team. We can you know battle and overcome anything that comes our way. And that was our mentality the whole year long. And it stuck with us the whole year long. And it's stuck with us through the summer and through training camp and everything. And we're still rolling off that same mentality. So that's been the biggest difference, just the belief and the, the drive to want to win. One thing that I had picked up on prior to the run you guys had last year was the border war. In college sports, like everybody knows the rivalries. KU's the big rivalry. It's the big matchup. You guys seem to pack the barn every time you play them. What are some of your favorite memories against playing Kansas that you guys, like, do you remember the first time you played them? What are some memories? I know you guys, you blew them out of the water last year, and that was a big deal before Nationals, too. So what do people need to know about the border war? I mean, it's KU-Mizzou. That's really all there is. And it's it's a battle every single time we play them. And fans get really into it every single time we play them, both you know in the stands, around the rink, around campus online uh it never stops with the the ku mizzou rivalry and uh and then every time we get to step onto the ice with them it's it's a show for sure my favorite moment they came here for a home game and it was the most packed i've ever seen our rink still it's the loudest it's ever been we beat them i think it was the score was like six to one or six to two i mean it was just it was a show it was the most fun like performative hockey game i feel like i've ever played in where everyone was just the house was rocking and everyone was just all about Mizzou hockey that day it was great it's it's an incredible rivalry it's always a special opportunity to play them our fans just absolutely love it they go crazy we enjoy it ourselves playing in those types of big games specifically speaking of like a moment that I remember the game that we were supposed to play when I got first joined the team sophomore year got canceled the border war and then there was a couple hiccups getting the game re-going again so then we did a home and home and I just remember when we played at home um, we're skating out 800 people in the stands and it was a roar from the crowd like I've never heard you know in a college game I had never played in front of that many people in a college game it was a roar when we got inter- introduced and I remember the first goal I think it might have been Jack Estes at the time the crowd just went absolutely crazy and so i remember that continuing to carry us through 
Um, and we wound up winning that game on home ice. And then just after the game, just meeting with all the students, you know, getting high fives and all the students' energy just really was a special moment for us. But I think for the organization kind of catapulted us into a little bit more relevancy than we had experienced in the last two or three years. So it was an incredible experience for us to play that game in front of that many people. And crowds have been always really, really nice, especially the last year or so. But that specific moment was was amazing and, and one I'll never forget. Obviously, with, with KU involved, it makes it even more special. Do they host the game that's at the ECHL arena? Because that's where they play their regular season games out of, right? So the game is hosted at the Big Bowl. They play at the small rink connected to the Big Bowl. Um, the Big Bowl is is presented by the rink itself. So that's kind of a neutral site game, even though Kansas is technically closer. Dobbs, I got to ask, because I saw the video. Was that you or Tanner Richardson doing the, the pull-ups on the net afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was neither of us. That was, uh, that was Michael Christopher. He's our other goalie. Uh, Unbelievable, dude. An absolute unreal beauty. And he came up to me in the TV timeout with like 10 minutes left on the bench. And he was like, should I do it? Should I, should I bench the net? And I said, absolutely. Definitely didn't think he was going to do it. Thought he was joking entirely. And <laughs> clock winds down and I see him go for it. And we all just start going nuts, of course. But yeah, that was awesome. I think there's about 11 guys that were just collectively saying, oh my God, this is happening. <laughs> it was it was hilarious. We were all we were all laughing for sure. Oh, yeah. I think he I think he pumped 15 of them, 15 bench, 15 bench reps. So, I mean, I guess yeah, he can he push ref- a little bit of weight. out for sure. <laughs> angle of the video i saw i you know couldn't see the number in the video so i figured it was one of the two of you but that's awesome that it was the other guy you guys played them after the conference championship last year so let's rewind a little bit walk us through that because i'm assuming going in like it wasn't guaranteed that you guys were going to nationals right you had to win the the matcha title yeah our ranking was was pretty high up there so we we felt confident going into the match tournament but we knew that you know getting an auto bid was was absolutely the best case scenario for us. Came in that tournament very, very focused and very determined to win it. Yeah, it was a tremendous moment for our for our organization and um, has been one of the most pivotal things that have happened to us to win that championship. I honestly can't remember just because it was just it was one of those blackout moments. It was just such a surreal time for everyone and just the celebration, the camaraderie, our connection with our fans was so special. In the next couple of days on campus, you know, people high fiving us as we're walking down around campus and Mizzou social media pages wanted to give us a shout out and just I remember we got like 15, 20 interview requests from local newspapers and local TV outlets. So we really felt the love from the community, but just in the locker room, just that was one moment that I knew changed guys' lives forever in terms of their hockey experience, including mine. Um, and I think all all guys' lives were changed from that. It was an incredible moment and just so special and a culmination of just that belief we had had the entire year. It was kind of like that reward. Um, what was cool is we win that. And then immediately the next kind of couple days after it was like, all right, let's get to work. Let's like, we're ready for natties. Like, let's go win. The, let's go win the entire thing. And it, it wasn't just like a tongue in cheek. It was like, let's go win the entire thing. Like, let's, let's do this. Um, so just such a special moment and has definitely catapulted us into this belief that, you know, nothing can stop our team. And we're always going to provide whatever we can every single game. It was an unreal three days uh, last year, like, especially for me. I mean, I played every game of that tournament and that was, so that was three days in a row of having to go and play. Yeah, that first Wash U game was an absolute battle. We'd never played them before, so we weren't really sure how that was going to turn out, but um, obviously it turned out in our favor. And then the next day we had to turn around and just play an absolute grind of a battle against our, probably our biggest rival right now in Arkansas. I mean, every game that we had, we played against them this year was uh, incredibly close. Uh, I think we went one and one against them in the regular season. 
yeah, I mean, that, that whole game was an absolute battle. I mean, I know they had Dan McAtee out there, who's always such a hard player to play against. I know we're very glad that he's uh, not going to be there anymore. But like Nick said, that game for me was a, was a game that it was kind of hard for me to look back on and remember. I was just so locked in and so in the zone for the whole time. You know, being down early in that game and, and everyone just being kind of really nervous and kind of losing our identity. We'd been so confident the entire year. Every time we were in the locker room, we had just this confidence about us. And then I think it was during the second intermission where someone in the room just said, hey, guys, like, what are we doing? We're playing with our sticks too tight. We're, you know, just way too tight right now. We need to relax and just get back to having fun. Because when we're having fun, that's when we play our best game. And uh, and then so we went out there and uh, we came back and we won it 4-3 to three or 4-2. to two. Yeah. And uh, absolutely incredible game. Uh, and I, I remember hearing our win song after that game in our locker room. It's Afraid to Feel. It's an absolute banger. Like, the feeling that washed over me, just hearing that song and knowing that we had just beaten Arkansas in the semifinals of our regional championship felt amazing. And then we had to come back the next day and play Nebraska. We had another grind against Nebraska. game was, you know, pretty high scoring, and it winds up going to OT. And I remember in OT, there was one moment where – uh, they were coming down on a rush, and I don't think anybody else knows how close this game got to ending early in OT. It was coming from about the top of the circle, and I was like, it just caught me a little off guard because I was, I was watching the pass at the time, and the puck was coming, like, going right top corner. It just skipped right over my glove, and I finally got my elbow on it and looked, went over the net. Took the biggest deep breath of my entire life after that. I locked in. I remember at one point I turned to Spoles in there and I said, you got to go score. He went down there, picked the puck up off the wing, passed it to our captain at the time, Hank, and Hank buried it. And I just remember jubilation. Everybody went nuts. It looked like we won the Stanley Cup out there. So that was just an incredible three days uh, last March and the rest of February. And brought us into the nationals in Boston and brought us all that success. And we're still rolling off of that. So an incredible time. Yeah, I made sure to, to go back and watch Hank's goal. Spoles, what do you remember about that play, like, when you picked up the puck? It, it happened really fast, but, you know, when I go back and watch it, it was a puck battle that had to get won. After that puck battle was won, the pass is right there, and the goalie stuck his stick out to try to poke it away, and he made a really good read on it. That puck inches away, gets past him, and I just remember Hank settles the puck down. I'm like, just shoot it, just shoot it, just shoot it. And then he buries it, and then obviously, uh, as Dauber said, just jubilation, just just happiness and excitement. It was great. But looking back, I mean, the puck battle had to get won against the boards in order to uh, to, to to make the play happen. And you know, you have to win those types of battles and those types of games. Those little battles, those little moments, are the difference between championships and and not. So special moment for sure. And Hanky obviously burying it was amazing, but. So many plays before that that led us to, to get to where we were at. Dauber with the goal, Ben Trader, a first-year player on the team with one of the biggest goals in team history for sure that tied the game for us. So, again, just piecing together those little moments that created the the ultimate you know, championship was, was special to look back on as well. Do you guys remember any little moments when the puck hit the back of the net? Like, are you thinking about, like, how high you're going to throw your helmet into the rafters or who you're going to hug first? Or was it just, like, total chaos? You black out and you just hug the boys? It was chaos. I remember me, Henry Kasten, Eli Baumstark were on the ice. So we obviously get together and, and we're jumping. And then I just remember just a wave of 20 guys in gray jerseys just absolutely dogpile us. 
Um, and I remember Jack Hazelton literally jumping on top of the dog pile from the back. And so we were kind of like holding him up like this 220 pound just beast of a human being. We were holding him up, just all like celebrating in the air. So it was cool. And then we were right in front of our fans and parents and students and everything. And they're banging on the glass, getting videos. It was it was unreal. Yeah, that was absolutely unreal. That game was in St. Louis, too. So for me, I had like a lot of coaches and a lot of former coaches um, and stuff just pop out and come and, and watch and support. And obviously my whole family was there, too. And yeah, like Nick said, I remember thinking, don't throw my helmet, don't throw my helmet. Like, I really, nothing can happen to that helmet. I really need it. <laughs> and I, mean, I still threw that thing probably 30 feet in the air. So <laughs> I was excited. You guys talk about all the partnerships that you've done. I mean, the best part any season is when you clinch that moment to go to nationals. But arguably the toughest challenge is funding that trip to nationals. Like, did you guys have to do anything crazy to make sure that you got to Boston? ton of fundraising efforts and we we literally could not have done it without um the generous support of the community a special shout out to sean carrier uh nicknamed yeti the tallest guy the big six seven guy his parents actually paid for the flights out there if we didn't have that we wouldn't have had been able to go out there and obviously all the other support that we raised um helped funded our trip so every dollar that we raised counted we meant so much to our program so thank you again to all the donors that were able to donate for us but i remember sitting because i was vice president last year and our president jacob cash we're sitting in, in in the basement we're like we have 13 days to raise 20 grand like like how are we going to do this and we're just sitting there strategizing what we did is we just we leaned heavily on our on our partners to help us out heavily on our social media presence obviously those news outlets that were still carrying our matcha victory helped us out tremendously and i remember kind of when it all got done we, we hit our 20 grand mark and, and i think i hugged jacob and we just like all our entire board just came in a, a big group hug because it was one of the most challenging experiences of our life but it really we learned so many things about continuing to just connect with people and exercise our connections and and you know build those types of relationships that we had built all year that wound up helping us out so much in our fundraising efforts and you know again every penny that we raised helped us out tremendously for our boston trip and we could not be more thankful for for all the generosity we received for sure spoles was there any uh i know you mentioned that you're trying to get into cooking like was there any mention of uh you chipping in for a bake sale or anything to uh <laughs> to get the boys going i was gonna say i i, I might need to make like 250 cookies or something you start <laughs> dishing them out on the street or something i don't know some brownies i'm not sure i would have done anything it would have put you guys behind the counter at, at gumby slinging some zaz uh, i would have yeah. i would have slung as many zaws necessary for sure <laughs> Anything for that Boston well, trip. You get to Boston and like, what is that like? Because I think they did a really good job this year of, you know, it being in Marlboro, you know, all the sheets of ice they have, everybody's under one roof. Was that overwhelming? Did you guys expect that going in or was it like, I mean, there was just hockey everywhere. I think the the ACHA did a tremendous job in, in the tournament and how they ran it. And I and I, I know a lot of our guys felt the same way. It was very organized, very structured. Um, I had played at that rate before, so I kind of knew what to expect. As you can imagine, I mean, they're hosting so many teams and so many players in that tournament. But I felt the way the ACHA did it was very, very well. Um, made our lives a lot easier. Um, it was cool to have like all the merch and all the opportunities for like other companies that were selling stuff. It was just a really cool event. And I think the facility was perfect for it too. It was on an unreal experience and I'll let Dauber speak on it, but I think the way the ACHA did it was tremendous and how they ran the tournament. We weren't surprised, but we were just really pleasantly just like, we were pleased by how well it was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was like, like Nick said, it was just really well organized and to like have the real professional feel of feeling like, you know, you are, you are a college hockey player playing in a college hockey national championship. 
is really cool and I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. Um, and they did a really good job of providing that feeling and I'm sure they, they'll do a great job of it doing it in Centene in St. Louis this year. But yeah, I mean, that whole trip was incredible. Being able to be on a flight with the boys to you know, wheels up and, and get out of there and, and then to be in there and to spend pretty much a whole week with everybody and, and just be surrounded by hockey the entire time. And our hotel was filled with hockey players too. So it was just hockey, hockey, hockey for a whole week. And I know it was one of the best vacations of my life and everybody else on the team said similar. So, and it being in a city as cool as Boston too, just being able to walk around that city is awesome. So I gotta know because that's a lot of time for a group of 18 to 23 year olds to spend together. What was the best off ice moment of, of the week? Yeah, that's tough. We did a lot of really fun things and I I wouldn't say that this was the most fun thing, but specifically just like going to Fenway park was super cool. All the things that we did in downtown Boston was really cool. It was a lot of just like kind of walking around. Like if you see a restaurant you like, we'd go hit a restaurant and and hang out and talk and, and just enjoy the weather outside, go by the boardwalk. So I wouldn't say that anything encapsulated like a singular moment. I think just the experience of being downtown, exploring a new city with with your best friends was, was really, really special for sure. There's absolutely nothing like it. It speaks for itself. Being able to spend that much time with the boys on a hockey trip is like a godsend, really. I will say what was cool was going, um, we did the Fenway Park tour, which was really cool. And then we went underneath like Green Monster. They have like a restaurant there. I remember a bunch of boys got clam chowder for the first time, and so we were eating that. So that kind of gave that, us that Boston feel, which was really special. Um, and then we look out the window, and you can see the entire field. So that was pretty sick, for sure. Yeah, I'd definitely say that Fenway trip or just landing in Boston where you have that uh, airport is like you are flying over the ocean. And just like everybody, I mean, like I said, we were all on the flight together. So like kind of having that moment of being like we're landing in Boston right now, boys, was really sick too yeah and i'll I'll touch on a story that's kind of funny and i know i know he won't be upset for telling us um i'm gonna pick on him a little bit but cole morris coley he's got this weird thing apparently with flights where if he looks outside and like sees water like he'll just like it's an automatic gag reflex like he'll throw up so we're all enjoying it taking pictures (laughs) and all all you hear is just 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 yakking just and we're like oh my god dude you couldn't make it to to let to land and so that was pretty funny. And we were all just joking around with him about that. But I just remember him saying, like, if I see water, it's not going to be good. And immediately, no one's thinking about it. They just lift up the window and start taking <laughs> pictures and everything. So it was pretty funny. Well, I was going to ask, too, like, were there any local guys on the team to show you guys around? But now I'm scrolling through the roster. It's like St. Louis, St. Louis, Kansas City, Illinois, St. Louis. Like, you guys are a bunch of Midwest boys. Like, were you a bunch of fish out of water walking around Boston? Yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, and one thing we did do, though, is we reached out to the uh, the Northeastern chapter of like the Mizzou Alumni Association. So we actually met up like a lot of Mizzou alumni that were in Boston. They came and supported our games. We got to connect with them and and grow our relationship with with fans like that even further, which was really cool. There had been a bunch of parents that had been as well, but no, no in-staters or, or even in the in the area for us. So we were a little bit of fish out of water. People were, were saying that we had accents, which we're like, I don't think that that's even remotely close. <laughs> I think you guys have the accents, but yeah. uh, it was pretty funny. And yeah, no, no, no local guys, but we did our best to assimilate as much as we could. We were wearing the Red Sox gear, wearing the Celtics gear, all that kind of stuff. Numerous times they would tell us that they thought we had like a Southern-ish accent, and I don't think that could be any further from the truth. We had to disagree with them, but, you know, it's they, they definitely recognized that we were out-of-towners for sure. But it's funny because, like, those are probably the things you guys are going to remember from Nationals, right? Like, we can get to the hockey side of things too, but just, like, those memories you have with the boys. You guys jumped out to a 2-0 start at Nationals. You ran into, I mean, pretty much a dynasty in M3 with Hope. I know they, they made it all the way to the final, but, like, 
skill-wise, did you guys win more games than you thought at Nationals? Were you going for the whole thing? Like, walk us through, like, what, what it was like playing. Yeah, I played uh, that first game against Air Force. We hadn't played for probably a month before that game. So that first game, I remember we, we got off to a rough start. And at that first period, I mean, felt like I was getting shelled back there. But then we, we turned it around and a tremendous come from behind dub in that game. I think we won like six to five. Getting there that first period, it really felt like, like holy shit, we're in a different league here. It turned around and the next game we played CMU and we had a really good game that game and we blew them out of the water. Tanner, other goalie, had a great game that game. Then, uh, then yeah, we had the, the juggernaut of Hope. And while Hope was definitely a tough opponent, and, I mean, they beat us 8-1, to one, so clearly there was a gap there. Um, I think the whole time, everybody, while we were playing that game, we were losing, but um, at least I was just kind of taking notes and mental notes of, like, what they were doing, what makes them so good. And they had they just seemed really dedicated. They had a lot of buy-in. Their systems were crazy. They had everyone, every guy was bought into their systems and they were constantly moving in the zone and that made it really hard for us. And so we picked up on all those little things that we thought, you know, were the differences between us and them. And we tried to, we're trying to implement them into our game now. Last year, I think, I think we were one of the best teams there, really. I think if we didn't run into hope, I think we would have made, we would have met them in the finals or close to that. But now that we got to see what that kind of a program is and what it takes to be there, now we really think we've done a lot to close that gap. And now we think that we really think we're one of the best teams in the country at the M3 level. I would say skill-wise, um, I think we came in extremely prepared. Um, we had done a ton of research and a ton of video that our coaches cut for us on the opponents that we were playing. Of course, you know you can watch all the film in the world, but when you actually are ready to execute in the game, it's a, it's a different story, especially because we hadn't played in a while. So we did face a little adversity, but I, I do think that we were one of the better teams and we we faced some tremendous teams. We also watched some tremendous teams. It's And that's what's cool about these tournaments is you're seeing the best of the best. And we, we ran into an incredible squad in Hope. And just as Jack said, they do a ton of really, really good things. Um, but now that we have that taste of, of what it's like, our main focus is just we want to be like the best. We want to be the best and we want to continue to be like the best. But it was cool um, to play those teams. And humbly, you know, we would say that we were felt that we were one of the better teams. Um, and we also just we played two really for that in Central Michigan and Air Force. So a lot of preparation, a lot of um, things that we did to prepare for that. Um, and we felt that we were pretty ready when we played. Dobbs, you talk about uh, buy-in. I mean, I don't think anybody bought in harder to Mizzou hockey than Jack Hazleton and that haircut he had at Nationals. Like, did he lose a bet or was that all on his own? No, I don't think there's a person on this earth more bought into Mizzou hockey than Jack Hazleton. Uh, and that haircut shows it. Um, I mean, Jack, he's one of our top defenseman and he first guy in line to defend a teammate first guy in line to put his body on the line to make a play and yeah that shows with his hairstyle i mean he he went all out it was just kind of one of those like should i do it boys type of things and we were all of course like of course like yeah and then not that he'd do it and he went and did it and we were all like that's awesome Jackie's a character, and I mean, Nick said in that story earlier, he jumped over the over the dog pile uh, to get into the center of it when we won the matcha tournament. So that's just what kind of that's just just the kind of guy he is. He's a tiger through and through. A lot of compliments on the haircut. I think I think the the value or the 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 amount of times that we got Gumby's comments versus the hair are pretty similar, and it was a lot. So I know that he was getting <laughs> a lot of bumps for the hair, and, and well deserved because that was a sick haircut. Jack said that Jack was was kind of contemplating it. I don't think he was really contemplating. I think he was 100% going to do it, but just needed some extra validation. But yeah, he's, he said, once we win the macho, I'm going to do the hair. And we're like, all right, let's do it. Because he, he he just had that buzz cut and he wanted to do something cool with it. And it looked dope. So it was, it was sick. Sticking with the theme of style here, I, I'm curious. 
64. Where, do, where does that number come from? For sure, Neil Yakupov and the Oilers, because I grew. I'm, I'm an Oilers fan growing up. So when he got drafted in the league, I just for some reason loved his number. And while he was not the most successful NHLer, I think that number just universally came to me. And it's just been in my life ever since for about you know, 12, 13 years now. And I've worn it in soccer and, 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 uh, and all the other sports that I've played. It's, it's just found its way into my life. So Neil Yakupov is the reason for that just definitely become a number that's identify that I identify with for sure. I mean, you don't have to worry about anybody else taking it. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't think anyone's interested in, in snagging six, four, and I might have to hit a yak pop cellular this year. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Sa- save that for Centene, huh? I was going to say, yeah, I'll save that one for later. <laughs> Is there any reason you wear number one? I know some goalies are superstitious about their numbers. And I, I feel like the trend lately has been, you know, 29 and 30. Like what, what makes you wear one? Uh, so actually, my whole life, I pretty much wore 31. But my dad was actually a huge Curtis Joseph fan. Uh, he named my my older brother is actually his middle name is Joseph because he's such a big Cujo fan. And so like I, he made me do 31 like all the way up until uh, high school, and that number was taken. So then I was 35, and then I got to Mizzou. We had two senior goalies at the time. Who I mean, I, I love them, uh, Brad and Bello. Two of the guys really took. Uh, me under their wing when I got to just Mizzou in general but they were both kind of like realized that I was going to be the number one guy and they both literally looked at me they're like you're taking one you're taking one we're neither one of us are wearing one you're wearing one and so I was like okay (laughs) and that's how I wore one (laughs) and you guys got some uh sweet new digs last year with the the new jerseys I gotta ask like what's your favorite you got the the gray roads the white homes and the cream alternates what's your jersey of choice it's a hard question. We got some good it's a good ones. question. Most of the guys love the cream, and that's that's just a one-off. We're just doing that for last year, and then we're going to have a new jersey design this year. Um, but between our home and road set, I personally like the, the white jersey more because I think the yellow pops a little bit more on it. But I think they're both super sick, and they're both they're – both, it's a, it's a coin flip. So I, I like the black jersey because I like the tiger stripe. The subtle design on it is really nice. But pe- a lot of people don't realize we actually have the on our shoulder patches and on the, the line going across our midsection, it's black, but it's also tiger stripe too. And so when you get close and you see that tiger stripe, I, I think our white unis are some of the best in the league, really. And we got a ton of compliments um, at nationals and just throughout the year just about our, our jerseys. And X jerseys really hooked it up. We've developed a really good relationship with them. They're a fantastic uniform provider, and we've really liked working with them so far. Dobbs, I got to ask, because working behind the scenes on a club hockey team is hard enough as it is. You went and started a fraternity in your time at Mizzou? First year that I was here, so my freshman year, we had COVID and all of rec sports at Mizzou got uh, shut down. So um, I didn't have hockey or a real, like, brotherhood to really facilitate, like, the kind of, like, social guy that I am. I got in really early at a fraternity here at Mizzou called Farmhouse. Uh, there's a lot of farmhouse chapters across the country and in Canada. There was like a, it was a, just an upstart chapter here at Mizzou that has a lot of history to it, but it was kicked off a few years ago and then they were bringing it back in my freshman year and they were looking for guys to start it. And they had me and you know some guys that I knew my freshman year. And we wound up being one of the fastest growing fraternities in America that year. And we like started with five guys and grew to... 64 and we just absolutely blew up and that was a that was a crazy year in its own and then that was before i even touched a hockey puck here at mizzou so that was my freshman year was a whirlwind of 
growing a fraternity from nothing into something really big. And then we got a brand new house. It's beautiful here on campus. So that's wonderful. That's been a really rewarding experience. And I was an executive for that fraternity. So I was in the ground running things for almost two and a half years until last year. And now I'm pretty much fully focused on hockey. And now I just get to hang out with the fraternity and don't have to run things anymore. But now I'm running things for the hockey team. So here we are. You, you you mentioned getting a new house. I think we need a new house for you boys. Talk about the work that you guys are doing in the community to help grow hockey in Columbia and maybe get a rink closer to campus. Definitely. One of our most fervent wishes as an organization is to just continue to build the community, you know, interacting with the youth, just any any members of the communities. We're lucky enough to play in Jeff City and market to, to those people, to those amazing people, as well as Columbia. So um, we get those two places to, to interact with the with the community and the fans, as well as other smaller satellite cities around the, the mid-Missouri region. One big thing that we're super excited about is um, our community outreach project sponsored by um, DHI Roofing, a local company in Columbia. We're just, we want to get sticks in kids' hands. So we're going to be hosting a clinic at a local roller rink, just teaching the fundamentals of hockey. Um, and what they're going to be given is a free hockey stick, a free ball, a free t-shirt, and a voucher to the game. Uh, we just want to break barriers to the entry of the sport, and we know that mid-Missouri isn't a hockey hotbed quite yet. With grassroots marketing efforts and just continuing to lend a hand out to the community, you know, we can grow our organization and grow the sport in, in the same time. Just like Nick said, we the steps getting a new rink first is getting interest here in the sport of hockey. I kind of got to grow up in St. Louis at a really cool time where hockey has really exploded, like from when I was a kid doing Learn to Play to being in high school when the Blues won the Cup. And so I saw like how much hockey can grow in a short time span. And that has inspired me like really to, uh, to, to bring that here and bring hockey to the middle of Missouri because it's in St. Louis and it's in Kansas City. But here in Columbia, where we are in the middle, in Jeff City, in this area, there's just not a lot of coaching and there's not a lot of ice time to go around. So we're trying to make this sport as inclusive as possible because it is a sport that's uh, unfortunately hard to play for a lot of people. Uh, we're just trying to break down those barriers, get interests so that we can get a rink here in Columbia and then just expand. Awesome. And speaking of rinks, Spoles, you mentioned that your dream is to one day either own your own rink or work for an NHL team. You had the opportunity to intern for the Blue Jackets recently. Like, how'd you get set up at that? What are you looking to do in sports? I want to grow the game. I want to be involved in community development, community outreach. That was the internship that I was um, able to have this summer, which I was so fortunate to have. It all kind of started with uh, a teammate of mine whose dad worked for the Blue Jackets, who was able to get me a couple connections within their front office. And then I think uh, just the resume and the interview process stood for itself. That coupled with just the experience that I was able to bring helped me out a lot. And I'm forever uh, in, in a debt of gratitude to the way that the Blue Jackets organization treated me. They treated me so amazing and they were so kind and so helpful to my career. And they gave me and my intern partner a ton of responsibility, which was amazing for experience. Um, and just the way they treated us and, and the, their organization was beyond first class. So they definitely have a fan for life. And it was so fun to activate for them and help grow their brand as well. Basically just go in the communities and teach kids how to play hockey, you know, break barriers to the entry of the game, um, which is uh, one of the, the best parts about it. And just really uh, get on the front lines of fan development, meeting with the fan base, creating new ways to garner fans. It was a really cool opportunity. And, and like I said, the way the Blue Jackets treated me was so incredible. And I'm you know very thankful and, and glad that I can still 
have those connections and still reach out to them for advice or just to maintain conversation with them. It's, it's been amazing. Now, did you get the opportunity to throw your hat in the ring for the head coaching job last week or did uh, they not call your phone? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't, uh, didn't, didn't get that opportunity and I haven't heard a, a ton about that. It's an interesting deal for sure. They didn't take your phone, did they? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no telly was taken. There we go. We appreciate you boys hopping on. Like I said, we, we didn't even really get to talk about it, but I, I imagine with so many guys from the Midwest that the goal this year is to get back to nationals, right? And in St. Louis, like, well, what are you guys most looking forward to this year? I think just continuing to, to grow uh, grow our, our organization both on and off the ice. I think it's just a special time for us. The, the amount of people that we've been able to connect with, the things that we're doing, um, like I said, on and off the ice is so special. And we're just we're continuing to, to, to do great things with the organization. We're excited, um, looking forward to just a, a really good season. Yeah, and I want to win a national championship in my hometown. Yes, absolutely. There we go. Awesome. Well, hey, appreciate you boys hopping on. Yeah, I just want to thank you guys as well. Obviously, the, the ACHA is, is something that's growing incredibly rampant right now. And it's cool to see you guys on the front lines of, of helping catalyze that movement. So thank you guys for everything you do for college hockey and, and helping us and helping all the other other organizations out. It means a lot to us. Absolutely. We'll be, we'll be in St. Louis, too. So we hope to see you boys there. Yes, sir. I can't wait to see you there. Awesome job. Thank you again, boys. Looking forward to watching Mizzou hockey again this year. It was awesome meeting those boys at Nationals last year. You could just tell in Marlboro they were a team that was just appreciative of being there, enjoying the experience. And I think with Nationals in St. Louis this year, they are looking forward to making another run and hopefully making some noise in Missouri this year. Time for our favorite part of the show, ACHA Burgers Blowout of the Week. If you're unfamiliar, if you're new to the hockey house and you're wondering why we do this, it goes back when I was in high school. We were very bad at soccer and lacrosse, two sports that I happened to play on. My dad every day would check the box scores in the union leader paper in New Hampshire to make sure that we were never the blowout of the day. And the blowout of the day was always some random softball game in the boonies or it was, you know, a random baseball game in Southern New Hampshire. And we were just trying not to be the blowout of the week because you can lose badly. You just can't be the blowout of the week. We go through for every level of ACHA and AAU and we have the ACHA burgers blowout of the week as a tribute to our friend Stephen Glick, who used to run the account Acha Burgers. So this week in the ACHA Burgers blowouts, we have an M1 UCO thrashed Alabama 13 to 1. In M2, we talked about it already. Tough week for Houston. They lost to Baylor 27 to nothing. In M3 ACHA, our guys from Mizzou put a beat down on ISU. 10 nothing. Moving on to AAU, we had a little bit of a cross division exhibition. Tampa D1 AAU defeated Vanderbilt 14 to 1, which is a real shame because Vanderbilt hung around in that first game and made it really close. And unfortunately, this was a three game set, and every game the score just got worse. And Tampa put two touchdowns on Vandy in the third and final game. So that's also our D2 blowout of the week. And then in D3, we had an all time one Alabama 29. University of Alabama, Birmingham, zero. On back-to-back nights, Bama put 27-plus on the Blazers. Opening night, the first game in UAB hockey history in the last two years, and Bama stuck it to them with a final of 27-3. They followed it up the next night with a 29 to nothing victory. And I, you know what? I'm a big fan of the burgers. This might be taking it too far. I think we had too big of burgers this week. Herm, I know we've talked a lot about you know, what does AAU bring to the table? What does this division realignment look like? 
And I think this is our first taste of it. You have UAB, who's a first-year program, barely putting a team on the ice. I think I saw a comment that their goalie had just recently learned how to play goalie. More of a club team that's just putting a team on the ice, having fun. And then you have Bama, who's, you know, they look like Bama, and it's their third hockey team on campus, and they just absolutely steamroll them. So I really hope this isn't a trend. Is this a case of Bama being too good for D3 AAU? We'll see. Or is UAB just on a whole different level? Herm, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Is it a wild thought to say that there should be a league for more rec play? It's not an intramural sort of level. Because I know it, like even, even at these top schools, sometimes guys who get cut from AC, ACHAM1 programs can play at intramurals and dominate. Like you're, you're absolutely right. There has to be some degree of separation between you're in college and you're learning to play hockey for the first time and you want to play other schools versus something like we saw between Bama and UAB. I think this is a combination of UAB maybe putting a team too quickly together. What we might find is this D3 Bama team is going to be really good. I'm curious how they'll do against Georgia's D3 team, but the Bama ACHA team has not had a very good season in a while, and I'm starting to see a, a greater skill level on their AAU Division One team, and it feels like I don't know what the structure is like. Are the AAU teams run differently than the ACHA teams? Is the AAU D3 team a feeder for the AAU D1? There's just a lot of question marks, but that would be my first guess is Bama seems to have it put together very well for an AAU D3 team. So we'll have to check that out later in the season. Those are your ACHA burger blowouts of the week. And now it brings us to our games to watch this weekend. We head down south to Arizona on Saturday. The U of A taking on Arizona State. It's going to be a packed opening night for the Wildcats at the Tucson Convention Center. Duel in the desert. Friday night, we head to Oklahoma where the University of Oklahoma takes on the University of Arkansas at Arctic Edge Ice Arena. It's going to be opening night. Home opener for the Sooners who made the trek to Waldorf this past weekend. M1 versus M3. Two football schools going head-to-head. This should be an exciting one. One of the top teams in ACHA Division Three taking on the Sooners. On Saturday, we have a Huge matchup. We have AAU D1, the defending D2 champions, Binghamton, taking on the defending D3 champions who are now in D2. That's a headache. Binghamton taking on St. John Fisher, the defending champions squaring off at Broom. That's going to be a great one to watch. On Saturday, we have UNC taking on Kentucky. Kentucky takes to the road for the first time this season on a Carolina trip. They'll also face off against NC State on Friday night. Friday night in women's, we have a great matchup. The UMass Amherst Minutemen taking on Assumption College at the Mullen Center. Mini Mullins, one of the best teams in ACHA women's too, taking on UMass. Stick with the Friday night games. We have one in Nebraska. Creighton takes on the Cornhuskers at Baxter Arena. Big Nebraska rivalry. We got to give a shout out to our guy Arnov. Nebraska expert for giving us a tip on this one. Should be an exciting one. Stick with another women's matchup on Saturday. Maryville takes on McKendry in women's one action. We saw this rivalry firsthand with the men last weekend and, and some pretty good crowds for that one as well. So we'll keep an eye on this one. Both teams had really good seasons last year, made it to nationals. And then on Saturday, Missouri State D3 taking on Saginaw Valley State at the Patterson Ice Center. Two of the better teams in M3 squaring off early in the season. And then for honorable mention, we have a couple other ones this weekend. Millersville M2 taking on AAU Kutztown, ACHA versus AAU. On Friday, we have Illinois State taking on Maryville. 
two teams in the Midwest who are looking to climb the ACHA M1 ranks. We talked about already Friday night, NC State is taking on Kentucky at the Wake Competition Center. We have AAU D1 versus AAU D2 with Quinnipiac versus Babson. Saturday, we have a women's U Sports matchup. U Sports, University of Virginia taking on women's one Minot State. Friday night, we have M2 Concordia, Wisconsin taking on Indiana University. Two teams who, you know, made deep runs at ACHA Nationals last year. And then on Sunday, we have UVM taking on Dartmouth in an M2 versus M3 rivalry game. And that brings us to our game of the week. We got a little bit of a teaser last week with a Friday night game at LaHaye. This time it's going to be a midnight game at LaHaye as Liberty University squares off against the defending national champions, Minot State University Beavers. The exhibitions are over with. Each team has had a week under their belt. The defending champs make their way to the center of the club hockey universe in a rematch of the national championship semifinals. Collins, we'll throw it over to you first with your pick. I'm going to have to go with Minot here. Defending national champs, hard to pick against. As much as I love the Liberty people that I've met at AAU and at the ACHA national championships, and then also plenty of the Liberty content creators that I met this summer working with STX and with Athletes Unlimited, I'm going to have to go with Minot, back-to-back national champions. Wow, there we go. Fitz, this is a matchup we've seen plenty of in the last two years. Who are you rolling with? I'm going with the Flames, boys. I think it's going to be an electric atmosphere there. I think it's going to be a super close game, definitely a barn burner, but I think Liberty pulls it out. Just going to be exciting for us to to take it all in for sure. Yeah, should be exciting one. I, I went back and looked because I felt like Minot had gotten the better of Liberty the last couple of times they played. And I, I went all the way back to 2020 and the Beavers have won nine of their last 10 matchups, which is it's crazy to think that Arguably the one of the, like a top five team against another top five team, and the Beavers have won ten and nine. So you got to think Liberty's due for one. Herm, we know you're loyal to the Bobcats, and you'll root against anyone who's playing the Bobcats. These are two teams that went toe to toe with Ohio last year. Who are you rolling with? Liberty scores first. Minot wins by three. Wow. All right. That leaves me last. The current leader in the clubhouse, 2-0. and The only one to roll with the dogs last week. I'll rub that in a little bit. We'll keep track of the standings this year for sure, now that I'm in first place. But I think the Beavers get the, the Friday night game, the game of the week. I'm going to go with Minot, too. I just think they have the advantage coming off of that Canadian road trip against some teams. And I think NC State is a great team. And Liberty went you know, toe-to-toe with them for a period and then kind of blew them out of the water. But I just think Minot has this certain mentality that they seem to always show up in the in the biggest moments and they rarely make mistakes so i'm gonna go with them on friday night they went into la Haye last year at midnight with the star wars and all that and they took care of business so i think they're gonna get off to the right start here these two teams play each other four times in, in september so we're gonna get a lot of it matchups but I, i'm picking mine out here with the first one <laughs> we added another segment here the show keeps getting longer what do you got for us we have the Heat Daddy Award for the best story reply from Bowman Fett, which in one message says the following, I went to the Louisville games this weekend against SIUE, my first games ever live, and I witnessed a comeback from 3-1 to one to win an OT the first night. The next game traded goals early before getting physical as fuck. I witnessed an SIU player's head bounce off the glass like an overripe watermelon. 
resulting in a five-minute major against the Cards and the retaliation roughing against the Cougars, and that's how the period ended. The refs made SIUE wait before heading into the locker room since there's only one door. They traded blows the rest of the game, one of which resulted in a penalty shot that put the Cards up 5-2. to two. A sweep for the Cards in their home opener, a 4 nothing win to start the season. Oh yeah, and Saturday's win became Coach Graham's 200th win. Pretty goddamn eventful first two games. Snaps for Coach Graham in 200. Great comment. Thank you, Bowman Fett, for that uh, that great analysis. Which brings us to the question of the week. Fitzy's rocking his Yankees hat tonight, which has got me all fired up. And I know he talked about not wanting to wear a Purdue jersey ever. But the question is, or maybe a, a statement, is you couldn't pay me enough money to put a blank jersey on. So what is a sports team that you hate so much that you are never going to rep their jersey. Herm, I'll throw it over to you first. I need to abstain from any pro hockey ones just because I'd like to stay in the industry. And you get a job somewhere and and your childhood loyalty starts to sway. Um, So I'll I'll keep it in, in club hockey. I would say... It's got to be Liberty. See, like, that's that's the thing. Like, the easy answer for me is Liberty, for sure. But, like, we're good. Illinois. Would you ever wear an Illinois? I was just about to say Illinois. Illinois is absolutely my answer. That's 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 a good pick. That's a good pick. Fitzy, what about you? What's a jersey that you wouldn't be caught dead wearing? The Spartans. Michigan State Sparties. Can't, can't do it. The, the green. It's, ah, could never forgive myself. All right. Well, I'll, I'll continue on. Collins has his answers on the sheet. Thankfully, he said Seton Hall or Syracuse, which I take offense to. Syracuse has got some good looking jerseys. He said, however, you can pay me to wear a Johns Hopkins jersey, though. I thought about mine for a little bit as a as a Boston fan immediately get drawn towards the Montreal Canadiens. But I feel like I have so much respect for Montreal. Like that is a good hockey jersey. Like you got to respect that. My next answer was like, ooh, like Leafs fans are so annoying. Like I would not want to wear a Leafs jersey. Again, longtime Red Sox fans couldn't catch me dead wearing a Yankees jersey. I wouldn't wear that as a joke. There's just something about the pinstripes. Like, no, thank you. No, no, thank you. You know, I'll go to Yankee Stadium. I'm fine with talking baseball with my Yankee friends, but I would not. I would not be comfortable in a Yankees jersey. Herm, let's get into the picking up pucks part of the show. I think you have a really cool story, so I'll let you start off first. Yeah, so typically we don't cover non-ACHA or AAU hockey, but we had a DM from Jessica Gallagher who submitted a story about the Baltimore Banners, which is a volunteer-run team founded in 2003. They aim to teach on- and off-ice skills to at-risk youth in East Baltimore. She just had really, really stellar photography along with, with story. It was just great journalistic eye. It was it was really, really beautiful to to see this story progress. You can check out the baltimorebanner.com and see their their whole story on it. Awesome stuff. Yeah, that was a cool DM to get. I mean, it, maybe it's not rare that people send us non-ACHA or AAU stuff. Sometimes they get us a little confused as to what we do, but don't mind getting some stuff like that, especially when it's a feel-good story like that. Fitzy, wrapping up your birthday here, I, the, the Hockey House birthday bash is coming to an end. What, what do you got on, on tap for us this week? I just started reading a new book, highly recommended. It's called Gates of Fire. And it's about the uh, Battle of Thermopylae, the Leonidas and the, the Spartans, the Army of 300. It's it's sick. It's got me fired up, just like ready to go into training camp. It's got me got me all jacked. So I highly recommend it. And um, that's been my life. I've been reading books. 
big book guy, I got to ask, are you a big Roman Empire guy? That seems to be a heavy topic of conversation lately. I was asked this the other day. I, I think more about like the Vikings and the Spartans more than the Rom- Romans, but I do think about the Romans. So I'm, I'm a big history guy. I like that stuff. Herm, what, what's something that keeps you up at, at night? Are you a history buff or do you got other things to worry about? I used to be a really big history buff. I loved AP World. I loved AP US. I think about the uh, the 2020 ACHA National Championships, the the posts that we made as Tyler Harkins literally messages me right now wishing me happy birthday. He was one of the guys that I tagged in that post. Oh, what could have been down in Frisco. Collins, if you can hear us, I'd love to know, are you thinking about the Roman Empire on a daily basis? Tiger Woods at the 2010 US Open, the second shot on the 18th hole, and Mark Sanchez as a whole. What could have been with Mark Sanchez? Uh, yeah, I, and I do see, though, with, with people with the Roman Empire, I feel like a big thing is just like, how were they able to do that that long ago? One thing that I have always found crazy is how record players work. Like, Bluetooth music makes more sense to me than record players. Like, do you ever just think about how they were able to scratch a disc and it plays the sound, like the exact sound that they recorded? Like, that to me is more mind boggling than Bluetooth and Wi Fi. So, think about that this week. And maybe tune into an ACHA game on a record player for once and and think about that. I have an interesting point for picking up pucks. And it's kind of a follow up to last week's conversation about Northern Colorado that I thought would be worth addressing because I'm not sure if you guys saw the news out of Bowling Green today. Bowling Green hockey coach Eigner placed on leave three players suspended over alleged off campus hazing incident. And I just thought about the perspective of how different it is. NCAA versus ACHA. ACHA, we see a whole team getting shut down, and now they have to find lawyers for themselves. Where, on the other hand, you have an NCAA team where they clearly have pointed out players that they are suspicious of committing hazing, and now the coach is, is under administrative leave. Which, again, I'm not, not that I'm excited about this, but it just feels like this. I just wish this had happened to the Northern Colorado guys, where it's a couple players getting punished for their actions. And maybe you put the coach on the hot seat for a little bit, opposed to just shutting the whole program down. And to make matters worse for Bowling Green, their best player, who was named the CCHA Preseason Player of the Year, Austin Swankler, news comes out about this whole incident, and he immediately hits the portal. So they had their best player walking out the door. And again, like that's something that maybe these ACHA guys at Northern Colorado don't have the opportunity to do. But we followed up with them. They were able to get their appeal extended to October 2nd. And they have hired an attorney to help out with the team. So wishing them the best of luck in that situation. Hope it all gets cleared up. I just thought it was interesting to bring up the perspective we talked about last week. We want hazing out of hockey. I think there's too many traditions that we have gone on for long enough. And you see an NCAA team is dealing with the stuff that feels like maybe hockey teams around the country are dealing with as well. So, you know, if you see something, say something, speak up if it's if it's not right. We've seen at the NHL level, guys got together, Mike Babcock's out. You know, if you don't like something, it's best to speak up. And, you know, we like to think of ourselves as a player's podcast, too. And, you know, if there's anything that we can do to help out in your team situation, we're more than happy to answer some DMs and, and, you know, be somebody who's there to talk to. But looking forward to another very exciting weekend of ACHA and AAU college hockey. That's for sure. Got some very exciting matchups that we highlighted. Hopefully less burgers. You know, I don't want to see all these big blowouts. Like, let's, let's get some close hockey games. Let's let's see what that offseason was all about. Let's have some compete here at the start of the year. I know it's early, but less burgers, more overtime games. That's what we want to see. And, and as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Follow along at Hockey House Pod on all the social channels, and we'll see you next week. See you, boys.